sacred rituals, and a cosmic community to enchant your mystical life. This podcast feels like soulful conversations by the fire and under the desert stars. As if you are hanging with your best friends, talking about purpose, the cosmos, and the divine journey we are all on. My name is Anna Alic, and this is the Topanga Moon Podcast. to this space and this community welcome to this desert loving (laughs) um expansive cosmic moon loving community where we talk about all kinds of spiritual uplifting uh interesting conversations so today i well i want to start off and say that i want to send you all love wherever you are i hope you are staying staying home and staying safe staying healthy and really connecting to your heart and connecting to your inner world and, and using this time as a beautiful way to pause and um, reflect on, on your internal world and find the beauty where you can and making sure that you are taking care of your health. I want to get right into this conversation. It's a really beautiful um conversation that I had with uh, with a new friend Niaz who we met virtually which is kind of the theme of our world right now and she found the Topanga podcast and reached out and I just loved her story and her whole journey and I thought it was such a beautiful conversation to bring to this community and we really dive into her health journey and she talks about the autoimmune disease that she has been living with and kind of has uh, maintained a beautiful balance with as well and all the different modalities and health practices that she brought into her life for her journey of healing and how that really inspired her and put her on the path to the career that she's in right now and her business, which is called Unspoken Nutrition. She's a nutritionist and life coach. And the theme of unspoken really is powerful and present within this whole conversation. And I think it mirrors kind of what we're going through in the world right now. Our, we're all bringing to light our unspoken truths, our unspoken inner worlds, our unspoken heart, our unspoken health. All the things that we were, you know, left unspoken for so long is coming to light and being shared and we're using this time to transform ourselves, our inner world and um, everyone around us. So I thought that was such a, a, just like a beautiful parallel that we're having this conversation and you'll hear the synchronicities and kind of the deeper meaning behind all of that throughout this conversation. So I want to get right into it. Um, Niaz is just such a beautiful, generous soul and so vulnerable. And she just really wants to share all of her experiences to help others and to connect with others and to shed a light on her own health journey. And, you know, this is something that is 
really pertinent to our time right now and thinking about our health and our connection to the world and our planet and our internal world. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Um, It's a really beautiful one. It's definitely a very interesting time right now, but Mm -hmm. I think more so right now we're really being honored the gift of pausing Mm -hmm. and taking a deep pause and I feel that we collectively as humans because of our social settings our condition patterning of always wanting to do and do more always wanting to know more whatever it might be we tend to struggle with the art of pausing Mm -hmm. and this is something that I mentor my clients on all the time is learning and choosing to take a pause before jumping into the next piece of movement. So whether it's mm-hmm. eating a meal or making a grand decision or jumping to a thought or a story patterning, like whatever it might be. And I feel that even my intuition has been really solid in telling me that we right now are in a great moment of learning how to pause because I feel like not only do we as humans need it, but earth needs it. Mother earth needs it. Nature needs it. So it's more so like, how can we honor that space between each moment, that pause as we're quite literally being told to do so (laughs) with the whole art of social distancing, where we're being told that we are limited in certain things that we can and cannot be doing right now. So instead we're really more so in a pace of we have to take a pause. We have no other way around it, Yeah, which you can see it as more, some people are seeing it as a difficulty and a challenge. And I feel like those are the people that are generally more so on a hamster wheel versus the people that are like, oh, well, finally, I'm finally been gifted this time to just pause. Mm -hmm. And the people who are, I feel like really struggling with this are the ones that, um, have a lot of fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have fear of the unknown. We're all having our moments and our like ebbs and flows of this time, but it's really forcing us to reevaluate how we have a relationship with the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, because people who have these structures that are in place, they're just, we, we're assuming that like, oh yeah, like I go to my job every week, I get this paycheck, I get, you know, we're never really um, faced with a moment where it can like change at any time. And that's the reality of our universe and our world, Mm -hmm. you know? So people feel like everything's being like pulled out from under them, which it is, but that can happen even on a micro level at any moment. Exactly. And the future has always been an unknown. Mm-hmm. Which is so like, when you like sit to really think about that, it's like, yeah, I've never really known what the future is going to hold. So yeah. what makes this circumstance any different? Like we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, but I've never known what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. So it's a really like interesting time where there's so many, and I mean, I'm at fault for it too. I sometimes fall into the patterning also, but I'm quicker to catch myself than maybe others that are not so much trained in this sort of mindset are that I, I know that I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but sometimes I'm like, well, what, 
let me just like see what the, what, what might happen. Like what's the latest thing that's going on. And then I realize I'm going into this black hole of Googling far too deep or scrolling far too deep. And then I catch myself doing it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't anticipate what I have no idea what's going to happen. I need to be present. I need to be present. I need to pause. So it's like coming back to that, which I think is the biggest lesson that we're all learning and going to continue learning for however long this transformation happens. Yeah. And I think it is important to kind of follow the the guidelines of what are in place right now and to like energetically hold everyone in a really healing space um, because we're shifting as a collective. Like, I don't know how to describe this, but um, basically it's like, there's so much fear being placed on a situation and with fear that actually like uh, decreases your immunity and Mm -hmm. does all these things to you in a biological way. But as a species, I think in general as a whole, because we're shifting from different energetics, Mm -hmm. the majority of people are going to fall into the fear. So as I know, this is getting really esoteric, but um, (laughs) it's like, because some people who are maybe have different thought patterns, you know, like I'm a big believer in our mind really is a huge component on Mm -hmm. health and wellness and so many things that we can like actively do within our own bodies to self-regulate and be self-sovereign. But the majority of the planet isn't thinking in those terms. Yeah. So the extra fear, which is now needed, you know, to make sure that everyone does stay safe and, and everything like that, yeah. um, is also adding to us having systems that can't maybe handle a virus as mm-hmm. easily as maybe somebody who has like really trained their body and their health and all the oh, things. Absolutely. You know? I mean, had this happened, and we, we've had worse things happen, but I feel like had this been something that happened a decade ago when I was just facing the beginning of my health journey. Oh, I would have been a mess. I would have been a mess right now. I wouldn't have been as calm and collected and mindful that I am now. I would have been a disaster (laughs) to say the least. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I can imagine and I can think of that girl from a decade ago and I want to give her the biggest hug because I'm like, it's going to be okay. You're going to get so much better at handling all of this stickiness, all of this mess. So it's really fascinating to your point to think about that there are so many of us that are very in tuned with that and with being mindful and understanding how important it is to take care of ourselves on a physical level mm-hmm. versus the ones that are just now coming to head with it and learning how to do it, which I think is also beautiful. I think that's also a really mm-hmm. wonderful time too. I mean, I'm hearing people reaching out to me that I haven't you know ever connected with telling me that they now want to start taking their health more seriously and I think that's a wonderful silver lining to come out of this is that people are going to come out of after all of this to take their health more seriously and yeah. to take it into their own hands and I think that's wonderful Definitely. I mean it's unfortunate that it's at the cost of people's lives that are yeah. ill and they're losing family um but the silver lining coming out of it is you know almost something to also be celebrated. So 
And that is to say, to like honor everyone who's going through a like a traumatic process right now, because um, we we're in a situation where um, we're not faced with the severity of it, and that could change. You know, everything can change any day. Um, but there's some people who are like, you know, are losing family members, are going through a really traumatic time, and. Mm-hmm. To those people, I just want to say, like, um, like I love you, and like it's it's in the utmost like honoring their moment as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like it's not disregarding the the like very serious pain that they could be going through. Absolutely not. Yeah, and I think that's important because I think a lot of uh, you know people who are kind of claim the, the role of light workers and working in this field um, mm-hmm. at times can maybe feel isolating to mm-hmm. that kind of side of it. But yeah, what we really have learned is that we're all connected. And I think mm-hmm. that's the most beautiful thing that we can see right now. And mm-hmm. that we're all connected and we're all doing everything or like people are doing what they can on a global scale to impact people that we've never, you know, even met before. Absolutely. I think that's just, you know, just to say that we're still honoring people who are going through something that's really difficult. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I don't want to, we aren't going to focus on this (laughs) (laughs) much longer, Um, but I did want to, and I think this goes into the question of, of your intuition and, what your intuitive guides are saying right now to you. And it could be like a very specific message that you're hearing for yourself or that you've been getting for like other people. But I think at the end of the day, um, part of our soul missions is to bring more light and love education and connection to Mm -hmm. people who are seeking that. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear what, your intuition is really like telling you right now. And it could be something that's like a very simple synchronistic thing that's happened to you or something, you know, whatever it is. I have been getting the same word every day when I sit and sit and kind of talk to them and hear what they have to tell me. And the word has been grounding And I know that that might sound vague, but I didn't realize how much ungrounding I maybe have had in the past however many months. I often felt like the past few months I've kind of been floating in a good way. I thought it was like cloud nine kind of floating, (laughs) but I didn't realize that I needed to actually really put my feet quite physically into the ground and really ground myself from the top of my head mentally down to the bottoms of my feet into the ground. Mm -hmm. And so I've now been taking time in the morning where generally my mornings were, I would roll out of bed and maybe like 10 minutes later, I would go into my meditation practice and movement practice. And now it's been going outside and putting my feet into the grass Mm -hmm. and taking my dog for a walk the second I wake up in the morning where that's generally not the first thing that I would do. So I've been starting my day in a more grounding place before I go into the more mindful mindset space of meditating, dropping in even deeper into my, you know, inner bodies. 
So that's the word that's been like coming to me more and more is like, keep grounding, keep grounding, exhaling, grounding, exhaling, grounding. Um, so I've just been honoring that message that's been coming through. Oh, I love that. And it really relates to, I've been listening to this um, intuitive medium just because she's been resonating with me so much lately. Her name's Jill Willard. And she really talks about how it's connecting your feet to the ground that you really can hear your intuition and we need intuition and our connection to intuition more than ever. Absolutely. Like that is the divine feminine. That is where we're going to get our own soul messages and our own guidance. And I think this is the time to really cultivate that intuition Mm -hmm. um, because then you're going to be getting specific messages for you. That's like beyond what every, all the other like noise that's happening right now. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's amazing. Um, I'm just going to unplug my fridge. (laughs) (laughs) It was making noise. (laughs) That's hilarious. Right back. Okay. (laughs) I just didn't want that like humming. Humming sound. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it turned off, but I knew it was going to come back on. And, um, it's those little things like, but mind you, I love doing podcast recordings outside because I love hearing like nature, like Mm -hmm. birds and like all the, like, kind of like wind coming through. Like, I think that's really beautiful, but refrigerator noises, (laughs) not Not as peaceful. No. (laughs) Okay. Oh, Oh man. Okay. Um, Well, we're back and I would love to get into your story Mm -hmm. and your journey. Um, If you could just introduce yourself to everyone, I'm going to do, you know, I always do my little intro in the beginning, but I would love to hear from you. Um, Introduce yourself to the Topanga Moon community and, you know, what you do, what you offer, your soul mission, and Mm -hmm. basically start and get into your beautiful journey and story because- that's how we connected. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to. I definitely want to take a moment to just thank you for this opportunity. Um, had you told me a couple of years ago that I would be sitting here doing a podcast interview and literally hearing my own voice out loud, I would have laughed in your face, like laughed because I, I mean, I hate to say the word hate, but I hated the sound of my voice up until a few years ago. Like I wouldn't even listen to a voicemail of my voice. I just did not love hearing it. And now I feel like I can't stop talking. (laughs) Um, So I just want to thank you for this platform, this opportunity to share my story. But um, so my name is Niaz. I am from Los Angeles and I am an international nutritionist and lifestyle coach Um, My practice is called Unspoken Nutrition, and the word unspoken is a bit ironic given what I just told you about my voice because I use my voice as a means and as a catalyst to speak upon trends or conversations around nutrition and lifestyle that are not generally spoken about, Um, and one of them, one of the biggest pieces happens to really be so more, more so my story. So I... Oh, where do I start? So about, <laughs> it's such a long-winded story, but. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. So when I was about 18, 19, I started experiencing 
underlying kind of shadow symptoms of what ended up manifesting into Graves' disease and autoimmune disease that um, targets the thyroid. So just a bit of like a, like a health history, health lesson here. Um, the thyroid is a gland found in the bottom of the throat, just above the clavicle. I'm pointing at it, but you know, nobody can see except you. Um, and it controls our bodies. It, it releases hormones that basically controls our bodies functioning, our metabolism, our body temperature, um, so many different processes of our body. And there are some people that experience hyperthyroid, meaning that the thyroid produces too many hormones, and that can then manifest into an autoimmune disease called Graves' disease, which is what I was diagnosed with. Or the opposite end of the spectrum is that it produces too little hormones, so you're experiencing hypothyroid, which can then manifest into Hashimoto's, which is also an autoimmune disease. So back to when I was about 18 or 19, I was experiencing symptoms of my hair started to thin out. I had really thick, really thick, heavy hair. I mean, I could barely get the headband around twice. Like it was very, very thick, but I started losing my hair. It started thinning out. I started to get these really bizarre acnes, like all over my face and my forehead. That was just like beyond puberty. It was beyond that. Um, my heart started racing all the time, all the time. Like all day was as if my heart was going to burst out of my chest. I had really bad excessive sweating. My palms were clammy all the time. I would sweat through my clothes. It was very uncomfortable. I would sweat through my sheets at night, very uncomfortable. And I just, it wasn't feeling good. And I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was puberty. I kept excusing it as puberty until one day I went to my parents and I told them, I don't feel good. Something is not right. I need to get a blood test. I don't know what it is, but I need to get an answer. So when I got a routine blood test, come back into the office and I'm told that I have hyperthyroidism, Graves' disease. And I had no idea what the thyroid was. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Explain to me what's going on. So the doctor tells me all about the thyroid and what's basically happening to my body. He sends me over to an endocrinologist which are basically hormone doctors. So I go to see this endocrinologist and I'm now like five endocrinologists deep because I've gone through so many of them. (laughs) But the initial uh, prognosis or whatnot that he wanted me to do was to go on a very, very high dosage of medication to slow my thyroid down. And he gave me heart medication to slow my heart rate down. And he told me that the heart medication would most likely put on about 15 to 25 pounds on me. And I'm 5'2". That's a lot of weight for my height and my size. And I was also like 19, 20. I didn't want to put on 25 pounds. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. (laughs) So there was a lot of underlying anxiety around what in the world was happening to me. I just felt so lost that I was really at the mercy of any doctor to tell me what to do. I would do it. And as I'm sure you know, 10 years ago, nutrition, meditation, mindfulness, lifestyle habits, sleep quality, like all these conversations that are had now, it was not something that anybody talked about. It wasn't anything that was at the forefront of conversation. Instagram wasn't around. It wasn't like all over our feeds reminding us, you know, how much sleep we need to get. So I had no idea that I needed to focus on all these other pieces until much later on down the road. So and I want to feel like in the past, a lot of those um, alternative modalities were kind of taboo too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it was just like, 
yeah, there was, there wasn't as much resources, but even before that time, it was just like, people were not, yeah, not accepting of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was almost like woo woo. No one talked about it. Yeah. It was weird or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. but I didn't know about it. It wasn't anything that I was around. I wasn't, you know, in the feel that I am now. So I had no idea it was anything to even look into. So I went on the medication. I did what the doctor told me to do. I put on the weight. I was very, very unhappy. Um, I avoided wearing jeans for almost a year because I didn't want to go try any of them on. Like I was just not in a good space. And to make a long winded beginning of my journey story short, I eventually found an endocrinologist that I really love and I'm still with him. It's been, I think, seven or eight years that I've been with him now. And he's very respectful and he's much more conservative in his treatment process. He's not very pushy like a lot of the other endocrinologists were at the time. And he's been very patient with me wanting to try everything before we do anything super drastic, like removing the thyroid or nixing it with radioactive iodine or anything of the sort. And you were suggested at one point to remove the thyroid, correct? I was suggested to remove it at the very first appointment that I went to. That's a, that's a serious thing to decide to do right off the bat without trying other yeah. practices. Yeah. And I'm, I, I mean, I was completely dumbfounded at the time. I'm like, I don't under, like why I don't want to do that. That sounds crazy. I don't want to remove the thyroid. Like, can we try the medicine at least and just see how, how well I can do on it. And he just wanted to completely mix it and like push me out the door essentially. And that's not, I knew that that was not my journey. That was not the way that this was supposed to go. And my intuition told me to just say no and walk out of that office. So I didn't do it. Obviously I still have my thyroid. Um, I followed my intuition and my gut all the way through and through up until today. So it's been, it's never led me astray. It's been a, you know, a lengthy journey. Yeah. 10 years, 11 years is a long time, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I learned so much just in that entire duration of time. Um, I say that my diagnosis and my health journey is my biggest teacher and my biggest inspiration to be doing the work that I do now, which is helping and working with other people that want to take their health into their own hands and find inspiration behind their health journeys and guiding them towards fulfilling that. So had I not done that for myself, I wouldn't be here today helping other people either. And I can't imagine not doing that. It's really my soul's purpose and my passion to be doing this work. That's amazing. Yeah. So fast forward about, I mean, I've been on the thyroid medication. I'm still on it, but I'm on a very low dose now. Very, very low dose. I started about I think I was on 30 milligrams when I first started. I'm now at 2.5. <laughs> I mean, I have to cut the tablet in half. It's a very low dose, um, but it's just enough that it's helping with any symptoms, any underlying symptom that I might have, which I'm very grateful for. And that's another thing too, is that a couple of years ago, I wrote in my journal, about like one of my intentions for the year, I think it was 2018 for 2019. I think I wrote up my intention was that I was going to be completely off medication And I didn't want to be dependent on it anymore. And I didn't want to take it anymore because I had such an ill relationship with it. I really was just seeing it as like a handicap towards me being completely in remission by myself, doing all the other things and having that be my beck and call. And I came to a place where I grew a lot of gratitude around it. 
and I change, I put it in a different bottle. It's in like a completely different little container now that it's not in the container in the bottle that I get from the pharmacy. So every morning when I go to take it, I say the little mantra to myself, like I am healthy. My body is my home. I am healthy. I am grateful. And I take it. I don't even take it before I, I take it usually after I meditate because I like to be in a more mindful peace of mind before I take my medication. So I love that you created your own ritual that (laughs) turned something that could feel like a deterrent or a negative into something Mm -hmm. like a really beautiful practice. Yeah. And that's coupling the like, that's like combining the the medication with a more spiritual focused modality, like having both of them. And for you, and I, I fully believe, like I'm like everyone's intuition will lead them to their right Mm -hmm. path. Mm -hmm. Um, and I couldn't stress that enough of like that, like this like process is like right for you and your body. And at this time. Absolutely. And that was something that I even struggled with for years was comparing my journey or my story to somebody else's who was going through the same thing. I'm like, well, why, why did they get graves? And then they got better two years later and they still have their thyroid. Like, why is mine taking so long? And I, learned throughout the years that I cannot be comparing myself to other people's stories and other people's journeys because they are a completely different body than I am. And I'm a completely different body than they are. And we all operate very differently. And my journey is meant to be in this, you know, pattern for a reason. And their journey is meant to be in that pattern for a reason. So I really had to come into a place. I learned to come into a place where I really honored and was grateful for my journey. And every time now, like, Anytime something circumstantial comes that reminds me of that, I'm like, oh, that's why my journey is so long because I was meant to meet this person or I was meant to like try this healing modality or whatever it might've been. So I'm very grateful for the length of my journey. And I'm also grateful that I've come to a place where I have learned how to marry Eastern and Western medicine, Mm -hmm. which I think is really important lesson that people need to really take in. Mm-hmm. Um, is honoring both Eastern and Western. Western medicine is incredible. We would not be here if it wasn't for Western medicine. Yep. The same goes for Eastern medicine, but the two of them hand in hand, that's harmony. Mm. That's true healing is that middle ground when they're holding hands. I love that. I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's such an important message because uh, there can be such polarities and like weights on either side, but seeing that they can like actually come together and work within each other. And it all, once again, dependent on what the individual person needs. Definitely. And then that can transition and that can transform. Um, I think of uh, Gabby Bernstein. I love her and, Mm -hmm. and she went through postpartum depression and she never took a pill in her life. And then, you know, was at a position in her, in her, in that time where she had to go on antidepressants and it's what saved her life. And she talks very openly about that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that has, that is your process. That is what's going to save you. And we have the ability to use both and have so many different, you know, kind of tools mm-hmm. for us to use. So I love that you were able to, in an intuitive sense, in a really like beautiful way, combine those two together. Thank you. I and mean, then the, lesson, that. 
yeah, I mean, the lesson came hard a couple of times because I, there were two times in particular that I can think of where I chose to go against my intuition. Mm. And I told my doctor, I'm like, I'm going to go cold turkey off my medicine and just see what happens. And he advised against it. And I was like, nope, I'm going to do it. Even though my gut told me, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. That's not a good idea. Don't do that. <laughs> I did it anyway. And both times my thyroid symptoms got worse mm. both times. And I was so frustrated. I'm like, but why is my body not responding? Like, just stop being dependent on this medication. And then after the second time, I'm like, maybe I need to chill out. Maybe I need to just forgive my body for the process that it's going through and the length that it's going through. It needs to just, it needs more time to heal. And that's okay. How else can I support my body in its healing? What else do I need? Nutritionally. Okay, let's look at that. Let's support my body through nutrition. So I did all the food test, like food allergy testing. I did the elimination diet to see what I was eating that was compromising my body as far as creating inflammation in my body. Mm-hmm. I did all of that work. I went and did, you know, all the Chinese medicine, the acupuncture, the cupping. I did all of that. And that's been super helpful. I still get that done frequently. So I learned to find other pieces and other things to focus on to heal myself so that I could support my physiology, the physiology of my body to then support me in tapering off the medication when I'm ready to taper off of it. I mean, as I have been, I'm now at a much smaller dosage. Yeah. So yeah. It's going through your own process. So at this time, I know that you were living in New York for a while. I was. Um, so was, was that in the middle of your journey? It was mm, two years later, two years okay. into my journey. So very early. Yeah. So I, my past life <laughs> living in New York, I, um, my dream when I was like 11 years old was to be a fashion photographer. So opposite what I do now. <laughs> so opposite. I and love photographers. Happens, you know? Yeah. I was like, I wanted to be like, you know, whatever. I wanted to be photographing for Vogue. I wanted to be that person, Richard Avedon of the time. Um, so I moved to New York and I, studied marketing and fashion and photography leading up to moving to New York. Mm -hmm. And I worked at Condé Nast, which is the largest publication. And I worked at International Vogue. I mean, I did everything that I wanted to do when I lived in New York. I had my apartment on the Upper East Side. I had my apartment in Brooklyn. I worked at Vogue. Like I did everything that I wanted to do. And then I hit a plateau almost five years later that there was a bigger calling and I didn't know what it was. I felt very, uh, like my mind was scattered. I didn't know what, what I was focusing on. I didn't know what I should be focusing on. I didn't feel grounded, but back to that word. Um, and I knew that it was maybe time for me to step away from working in this industry that wasn't totally fulfilling my back in, my calling, which is fine. I did it for the duration that my, my journey wanted me to do it, but it was time to move on to the next chapter. So was there always like underlying feeling throughout those five years or was it just like all of a sudden, boom, you felt um, like you the first, like, you know. yeah, no, the first half of the time that I lived there, no, because I was in my early twenties and I loved living in New York. I mean, I had the best time, yeah. but it wasn't until maybe the third or fourth year that I started to feel tired, emotionally drained um, which is one of the reasons I moved out of Manhattan into Brooklyn because I figured it would be quieter. 
which it was, it helped. It definitely helped. Um, but I was still, there was still something deep within me that I, it just didn't feel right. And I would even like spend, so we used to get all of August off because August, there's no production happening for, um, magazines. So August is very dead month. So I used to have the entire month of August off. And rather than me, like going to Europe, as I probably should have been doing, traveling more at the time. Um, I came home to California. I stayed at my parents for a month and it felt right. It felt like I, that's what I needed to be doing. And so I think those different patternings and those different opportunities and decisions that I was making later on came to fruition of me realizing that maybe I need to go home for a little bit longer. Maybe I need to just pack my things and go home and figure out exactly what is going on. And also a bit of a background too of my home circumstance, because this is something I should talk on. Just before I moved to New York, my parents were in the midst of separating and a divorce. So I also kind of escaped a big reality when I moved to New York. So there was also, yeah, yeah. So there was also a lot of pull of me not wanting to go to like coming back to California because I didn't want to come back to that reality of my parents were not together anymore. Home was going to be a lot different than it was when I first left. Right. So in Uh, a way it's like you physically separated yourself to not have to, you know, go inward through all of Mm -hmm. the emotional landscape. Yeah. I tugged it all under the rug. Mm -hmm. I tugged it all under the rug and it didn't do me any good. I got sicker. I got sicker. Um, my anxiety got worse. I was gaining weight rather. So the symptoms of hyper and hypo, you can share them hyper. You generally lose weight, but I was gaining weight more so in the beginning because I was on the heart medication. And then when I got off of it, I couldn't lose the weight that I gained. I, it was just not going anywhere. And I was really hard on my body. I was working out like two to three hours a day, eating like 800 to 1,000 calories a day. Like I was beating myself up because I thought that that's what I had to do. I'm like, well, I'm not losing weight. So I guess I got to work out a little bit harder. Right. Not knowing that I needed to actually slow down a lot, a lot. Yeah. And it's like, it's that idea of wherever you go, there you are. So (laughs) even if you... (laughs) physically separate yourself <laughs> the the underlying situations are always going to be there mm-hmm. um and it's and the way that we can transform is through mm-hmm. for you that's going to California yeah and when did your because I know that you talked to me about having an anxiety coach and mm-hmm. that being a very pivotal moment for you was that when you moved back to California it was three years after I moved back to California. Okay. So the first three years that I came back, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do professionally or whatever. So I lived at home with my dad. My dad was living at the house. My mom had moved out at that time. Yeah. Um, so just the two of us are living together, which is funny to talk about because one of the biggest pieces of my anxiety is actually my relationship was not anymore, but was my relationship with my dad mm-hmm. so moving home to live with him. Ooh, that was a, that was wild. <laughs> that yep. was something else. Yep. Um, 
So yeah, the first few years, it was more so I was working um, in Culver City, which for anybody that doesn't know, it's about 35, 40 miles away from my parents' house. So I was commuting every day on the road for three to four hours a day. So I was doing everything I could to not be in the house, to not be around the memory, the um, recollection of what had happened in this home of my parents separating. So I would go after work, I would go work out for three hours and then come home. Like I did everything that I could to just be out of this house. And um, until I then moved out of the house, I moved to Santa Monica to be closer to work at the time that I realized I needed to maybe tap into my inner bodies, my emotional, mental bodies. I'm like something, it was, it was like some intuition that hit me one day whether it was in a meditation, in a dream, I can't remember. I can't recall the exact moment, but there was one particular moment where I remember being like, I need to take care of my mental, my emotional body. And I don't know if that's therapy, but I need to find something to help me because maybe that will be a huge turning key towards healing my thyroid. I don't know. It's not going to hurt me to try it. Let me just see what it could be. So I looked into therapists, I looked into the traditional realm of therapy, and it wasn't fitting for me. Not to say that it's not helpful, it's wonderful. I think everybody should definitely do therapy, but it wasn't what I needed at that time. I needed somebody, I needed something different. And so I found through a mutual friend of myself and my coaches, my anxiety coach, um, I found my anxiety coach. And um, we connected over video one day, our our discovery call was supposed to be 30 minutes and we talked for an hour and a half mm-hmm. and we connected so deeply. And I, in the, in that hour and a half, she pulled back so many layers just in that discovery call that I was very moved and emotional. And I knew that this was my person to work with. And so I worked with her for a good six months at that time. And she peeled, she helped me peel back a lot of deep rooted, nasty, ugly layers of my anxiety. Um, One of the biggest things being my relationship with my parents. That was the big turning key. Would you call that kind of reprogramming um, childhood beliefs that were picked up? Absolutely. That's like exactly what it was. It's huge. There's a lot of childhood trauma. There was a lot of childhood trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which kind of goes into um, what I always think is that a lot of our physical illnesses or things that we go through is a reflection of these things that we have not addressed Mm -hmm. in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's our body's way of saying, hey, look at this. Like there's some more, uh, there's some things underneath, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So some people learn through, health situations. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's, it's relationships and love and mm-hmm. money. And that's been my, cause for whatever <laughs> reason, and you know, there's a lot of things in terms of generational trauma that can be right. a play and, um, even things that we're not even aware of that people like, you know, anxiety coaches or other, um, other kind of physicians can pull out of us that we, mm-hmm. we might not be, really understanding in our unconscious mind, but it's showing up in a, in a physical way. And for you, it was the thyroid, which is 
speaking out your truth yeah. and voice, right? Exactly. Hence the unspoken nutrition. <laughs> um, circle. Yeah, it just comes full circle. Um, that was, yeah, you nail, You definitely, I echo everything you say um, about the piece of finding voice and finding expression. Mm-hmm. Our, voice boxes, our voice box is located right on top of our thyroid. So our thyroid kind of wraps itself around it. And so it's not a coincidence that when we're not expressing ourselves, when we're not using our voice to express ourselves, that it can manifest into a physical illness. So I, my parents had, you know, relationship issues, arguments, whatever it might've been me with me growing up all the time. Um, and I swallowed a lot of my words towards both of them as far as like expressing how I felt about everything and even when they were going through their separation I didn't share how I felt about it I swallowed those words I swallowed words around my brother because I wanted to protect him I didn't want him to know um, that my parents were arguing or that they were going through a divorce or whatever it might have been I swallowed a lot of my words and it then manifested however many years later into thyroid disease, which is not a coincidence. Like thinking about it now, it's not a coincidence. And so the work that I did with my anxiety coach in particular, my like graduation requirement with her was that I had to have a sit down conversation with both of my parents and tell them everything I have never told them in the past 20 some years at the time Mm. um, with both of them, which to me was terrifying. Terrifying. Visual of, uh, of butterflies. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That just like came to my mind. So I would shape like a butterfly. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> what was that? The thyroid gland. It's shaped like a butterfly. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Yes. <laughs> I for real was just like you were you were speaking all that, and I was like images of butterflies. Oh my god! I have the chills. Kept on coming up, and I was like, and I heard, I was like, you better tell her, and I was like. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I have the chills. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's shaped yeah. like a butterfly. Wow. And that mm-hmm. represents so much transformation. And in that moment, you speaking your truth to them was a yeah. pivotal, transformative. Massive. Moment. Massive. And my relationship with both of them has never been better. Wow. Never has it been better. Yeah. Very grateful. Do you find that after that moment, your health started to transform as well or has that yeah it did my um come to think of it I lowered my medication dosage incredibly during that time wow I can't remember the exact down to the milligram but I know that it was a very substantial uh decrease in medication I also wasn't having I used to have like really bad hand jitters like I'm showing you my hands, but my hands yeah. used to shake like this all the time. It was yeah. like very scary. And that went away. Um, I was sleeping better. I used to wake up. I used to not be able to get any sleep. I would be up. It would take me forever to fall asleep. And then I would wake up multiple times in the night for no reason. I now sleep soundly through the night. I might wake up once to like use the restroom because I had tea before I went to bed. But otherwise, like I sleep very soundly through the rest of the night. Um, because a lot of, because all that anxiety dissipated, I worked through a lot of it. So, wow. Physically, there was a big transformation too. I think that's such an important thing to note how 
we can use our voice or whatever it is mm-hmm. that we're, you know, going through and transform it in a physical way when we yeah. really get grounded and rooted in the internal side. And like mm-hmm. we can be doing that right now in this whole collective pause. Like this is the time. And it's not, I mean, ironic for me to think that I'm living at home right now and you're living at home right now and a lot of people that I know. So it's that moment to really transform anything on the inside because I think we're going through this massive collective shift. Um, I do want to talk about, because this part of your story is really just like fascinating to me. And I'm just like so honored that you're so open and willing to talk about all these things. So thank you. Um, I want to hear about the, the thyroid eye disease. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) There's some synchronistic things that happened and there are, there are, but I think it's something to talk about. Yeah. Um, so generally those that are diagnosed with Graves' disease are also then diagnosed with thyroid eye disease because one of the symptoms is that it can also affect your eyes as far as um, them becoming more bulging or like more, they call it it the stare because it looks like you're constantly staring, Um, dry eyes. So what happens is like the physical eye itself, the eyeball is protruded forward so much so that even when I, if I were to close my eyes, you can still kind of see a sliver because my eyelids are they're short and they can't close all the way. So it's called thyroid eye disease or TED is like the abbreviation of it. I was diagnosed with that two years after I was diagnosed with Graves' disease because I started to experience uh, my eyes were much more dry than normal, uh, especially at night when I would wake up in the morning. It was as if I had sty every time I woke up. It was so painful because it dried up so much because my lid wasn't closing um, or fully closing. So I was referred to a doctor. I'm not going to say his name or where he is because he is a wonderful doctor, but he ended up not being the right fit for me years later, um, just out of respect for him and his practice. Um, but I was referred to a doctor in Los Angeles that I went and saw, and he he was great. He was wonderful in the beginning. He answered a lot of my questions. He did all the testing. He gave me a lot of hope and t- telling me that um, I was coming over the hump. I was going to feel better. Things were going to be okay. And, you know, say lovey. Everything was going to be fine. Yeah. About 2017. So I'm fast forwarding a bit because during that time, my eyes were feeling okay. They were fine. They weren't like wonderful, but they weren't horrible either. I think because the medication dosage that I was on was taking care of it. And then what happens next, which I'm going to talk about, hadn't happened yet. So 2017, I was at home one night and I noticed that I had like a bump um, underneath my eyebrow. I thought it was an ingrown hair. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I get my eyebrows threaded. It happens. And um, I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I go to bed. I wake up the next morning. My, that, what I thought was an ingrown hair had grown to the size of a kumquat. And I was sitting on top of my eye and I could not open my eye, my left eye whatsoever. Freaking out, <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. So I go see a uh, dermatologist to find out if this was an ingrown hair and what was going on. And I'm given two rounds of cortisone shots to help the inflammation because we couldn't even feel what was there. Like we couldn't feel anything because there was so much puffiness. And then I went and saw a plastic surgeon to see about removing whatever this was that eventually came out to be a cyst, uh, benign cyst. 
And I was very concerned because after I had the cysts removed beautifully, the plastic surgeon did a beautiful job and you can't even tell there was a scar underneath my eyebrow. Thank God, as I'm so particular about my eyebrows. (laughs) Um, They look great. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, went and saw my, my thyroid eye disease doctor, my um, oculoplastic, and I told him what had happened. And I gave him the report from the biopsy. And I asked him like, you know, my eye is starting to look a little, like my left eye is starting to protrude a little bit. Doesn't that concern you? And he goes, no, I think you're just going over the hump. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm thinking, no, my gut's telling me this is not okay. Like something is not right. I want to get a CAT scan. He denies my CAT scan, which for everyone to know, you have the right to ask for whatever test you want to have and you can get it because it's your right. I was denied a CAT scan. He wouldn't give it to me. I went and saw him, I think three more times over the course of four months because I started freaking out that like, why is my left eye protruding more? Like it's never done this and it's only one eye. Generally, it, it attacks both of them. I go into the office of the last appointment and I walked out. I tell him that I'm canceled. I'm firing him from my team, from my services. And I'm going to go find somebody else that's going to actually listen to me and give me what I want. Yeah. And I go home, let's say sometime that week, I type into Google thyroid eye disease. I hit news, like the news tab on Google. And I find this doctor, uh, Dr. Raymond Douglas, who's in Beverly Hills. And he's working on a treatment for thyroid eye disease. Mm. And I look it up to see if he's even seeing patients. And he was. And I called his office and I got in and I sat with him for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. I sat with him. My first appointment. He sat in front of me the whole time. He looked at me in the face when he talked to me. If My parents came with me to that appointment and every time they asked a question, he turned towards them and answered the question. Like the, humi- the humility and the kindness coming out of him was unseen. I've never seen that in a doctor before. And I tell him everything that had happened with my eye and how I'm really concerned about it because I really felt like for the longest time, I remember telling my mom, I'm like, I feel like there's something, there's something physically behind my eye. Like we had the cysts removed. Okay, but now I really feel like there's something there and I don't know what it is, but it's freaking me out and I want to get a CAT scan. And so when I tell him all these concerns, he's like, oh no, I already put the order in for a CAT scan. Yeah, you're getting the CAT scan this week. I'm like, oh, cool. (laughs) Great. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So such a long-winded story, but basically I get the results of the CAT scan back and I find out that I have a pseudotumor behind my left eye, which it means a fake tumor. So it's not a real tumor. It's basically a lot of inflammation behind my eye that my body treats like a tumor. So when you look at it in a CAT scan, it looks like one because it's, it looks rounded, but it's not a real tumor. There's no mass to it. Um, but it makes sense for me to imagine and think this entire time that I knew that there was something there behind my eye. Yeah. My intuition was not lying to me once again. Yep. So that was a very, uh, that was a very transformative and pivotal moment of my healing was really, I, at that point I was like, yo, my intuition is not lying to me ever, like ever. I called that so soon before the CAT scan. So true. And it's like with intuition, it's not 
only just like I, I've been learning the gut, but there's like this gut and kind of like third eye oh, combination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can feel it in mm-hmm. your body is how mm-hmm. I like to describe the intuition. It's like, it's just like always kind of there. Like sometimes you can't even like, it's like your, your brain is trying to come up with the words for it, right. but it's like this like inner, just like knowing that you need to give language to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's, so now are you, um, doing this, the treatment that this so, doctor. Yeah. I'm announcing it now. I uh, <laughs> haven't, I haven't started the treatments yet because okay. for insurance verification, all of that, yeah. but I'm beginning those treatments with Dr. Douglas very soon. And Amazing. that, that is, that has been something that's been really bothersome for me the past couple of years. I, I haven't gone to any social gatherings in the past year because I've been so uncomfortable with anyone taking a photo of me. Mm. Very uncomfortable. And that was something that like growing up, I used to always throw myself in front of the camera. I love being photographed, but the past year you couldn't get a camera in front of my face. I did not want to be photographed. I've been so uncomfortable in my physical body, so uncomfortable with it. And seeing him and hearing about this treatment, and I had also like a round of steroids um, in December to help with the inflammation around my eye, which has been incredible, life-changing. Like I used to wake up with what felt like an elephant sitting on top of my eye every single morning. And I have no pain, no pressure waking up anymore. Like none. It's as if there's nothing even there. So that treatment really helps. So now his treatment targeting thyroid eye disease is what's going to actually help the protrusion of my left eyeball, the eyeball itself, um, and pulling it back into its space. So TBD on when that will be, but sometime very soon. Does that treat uh, the the not whatever is going on behind your eye. Yeah. Okay. So treat yeah. that. So that'll, so that'll also, it will help that too. So yeah, yeah it's going to target both. It's going to target yeah. both of them essentially. So I want to hear about um, some of your other practices that you're doing. That's also in combination with mm. these like, with the mess, like, you know, with all these like medications and new treatments, but I, I do think that, um, there's such a, like, there's so much that we can do in terms of healing through meditation and Mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. And I want to speak on how that relates to this idea of the sacredness of our life and health Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how, um, our health issues or things that are going on can illuminate, you know, everything else that's going mm-hmm. on and just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I love that. It's so true because health really does give us such a perspective on the sacredness of life. And it also gives a lot of light to our challenges and our difficulties. Yeah. I know personally, like, had I not gotten sick I and not gotten diagnosed, I can't say that I would have ever pulled back all the layers of those wounds that I have internally or had internally. Yeah. And it's like all those little wins along the way for you is like these little miracles, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. It just gives you momentum to keep going and keep going and keep pushing and keep fighting. Um, But to answer your first question, so different healing modalities or different things that I do. um, I started practicing Kundalini yoga 
about, yes. yeah, I know you love it, I about love it. Um, four months ago, three months ago. Yeah. I'm actually training for thyroid yoga certification and the foundation of it is Kundalini yoga. Yes. Which is That's all about the voice. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. That's been a very, very, very powerful uh, practice. I don't do it every single day, but when I do it, man, I feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah. That's been really powerful. Um, also, what I'm doing more of is actually doing less, period. I used to do too much. <laughs> I used to do way too much. Yeah. Um, I, I remember a year ago, maybe two years ago, I would look at my calendar for the week and I would plan out my workouts the entire week. I would reserve the class. I put it in my calendar, non-negotiable. I would go to the class. Now I'm like, I wake up and I see what I feel like I want to do. Some days I want to like do yoga. Some days I want to do boxing. Some days I want to do nothing and that's fine. And it wasn't until I stopped doing too much that my physical body started to feel better. I started to lose the weight that I was holding on to. Like I started digesting my food better. Like so many things started happening that I was wondering when it was ever going to happen. And it wasn't until I stopped doing too much. Yeah. It's the letting go of control. It's the surrendering. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's such a important piece of, of all of this, but it's the Mm -hmm. hardest thing to do when you're physically actively faced with, you know, challenges and things that you're working through and your whole healing journey. All you want to do is be like, okay, well I can like get this done and get this done and then put it on like, you know, and and we can kind of overload ourselves. Um, but it's that bringing in that balance of, of surrendering because Mm -hmm. there is this, at least I, you know, I believe that there's this intelligence, this beautiful universal energy that Mm -hmm. is at our disposal all the time that we can tap into. Um, and it comes in with trust and faith and, and allowing it to do do its thing and just surrendering to that moment. Definitely. Definitely. We, we want to do, we we're humans want to do more. They want to constantly do things. We're doers. We've been yeah. that way since caveman, like fight or flight. We need to do things. We're now learning. And even now with everything going on, we're being taught to not do as much and to just surrender and let the universe and let nature be its own course and take its own course mm-hmm. and just let it be. And we have to do the same thing, whether, whether we have a, anything from a flu to a cold, to a chronic illness, to whatever it might be, anything, of, it doesn't matter the magnitude, doing less is actually doing more. That's why they say like when you have the flu or when you have a cold, you're not feeling good to sleep. Yeah. Because that's when your body's fighting the most. So your body just needs you to go to bed so it can do the work. When you're doing too much, it's not gonna be able to heal itself. The same thing kind of goes for when you have a chronic illness or an autoimmunity or whatever it might be, you can do all the things that you need to do. You can go to the doctor, you can take the medicine, you can do, you know, take, eat the right foods. You can do all of those things, but also do nothing. Just, just be, just surrender and let your body, our bodies are so intelligent. Just let it do, let it heal. Yeah. 
It's like we already have everything inside of us to be these healthy whole beings. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's allowing that to come through. And it's really the trust of that, you know, and that's getting beyond the mind. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I love Dr. Joe Dispenza's work for that. Me too. I'm obsessed with him. I've been doing (laughs) every single morning now. I do his hour long, which does seem like a lot, but I think it, because it's a lot, it feels like it's hypnosis, um, his meditation, but I'm doing his, um, you are the placebo meditation. And I haven't done that. I'm going to send it to you. It's, it's like you are in space and space between the space. I I don't know. It's his, his Mm. meditations are really funny, but (laughs) Uh, just like surrender to it, then you almost feel like you are floating in space. And then it's almost like he uses this as a, the first part is almost like a hypnosis to get you into a state that then you can start to create and visualize. Then he gets into this whole part about visualizing the life in the world that you want to see. So I'm going to send it to you. Um, I'll also link it in the show notes. Why not? You know, why not? Why not? (laughs) I I think that um, he's providing such a beautiful alternative healing modality that everyone has access to, which is meditation, being still surrendering and the mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's just such a beautiful thing that we can have and use. That doesn't cost anything, you know? doesn't. Meditation's the best. Yeah, it's so good. And I think more people are tapping into that right now because of everything that's obviously happening. And that's at least one beautiful byproduct of of that, finding the the silver linings, as you say. Yes, yes. There's a lot of them. (laughs) So um, I would love to know how maybe you specifically or how we can all alchemize our true gifts and mm. our soul missions at this time? Mm. Such a good question. I feel like if you feel called to do something, you're probably meant to do it. So if you feel that you're, if you feel that what you're enveloped in right now is not bringing you joy, is not uh, providing you with purpose or peace, then it's probably time for you to turn inward and support your soul's mission. Mm -hmm. I really cannot advise enough on the importance of working with someone who can Mm. guide you towards figuring out exactly what it is that you want to fulfill. I even worked with my coach, my same anxiety coach. I ended up, I mean, I call her now my life coach because I tell her, talk to her about everything, but I even worked with her when I was launching my business Because my thoughts and my ideas were so scattered and I knew that I wanted to study nutrition. I knew that I was interested in this. I knew that I wanted to offer this, but I needed someone unbiased to guide me in a way that made sense while still honoring my purpose. And if somebody can't financially afford working with someone, because I understand that that's an investment, writing out almost like a blueprint of what your ideal scene would be for your mission And then taking small strides day by day to marking and accomplishing them little by little. Mm -hmm. So if it's like you want to write a book, for example, that's a, I mean, I would love to write a book. That's something that's on my list too. 
but I'm going to start working with my coach or with somebody who's done it before to guide me because I don't even know where to start. But from what I'm told, like the first thing to do when you write a book is to write an outline of what you would want it to even be about. What would you write about? So writing an outline it's the same thing as writing a blueprint of like what your ideal scene would be. So if it's a book, if it's a business, if it's um, a product, if it's a brand, like whatever it might be, bit by bit, detail by detail, what do you want that to look like? Even down to like, what do you want your logo to look like? What do you want your website to look like? What kind of uh, customers or what kind of clients do you want to call in? Yeah. What is, what do they look like? What's their demographic? How much money do you ideally want to make? Like, bit by bit, detail by detail, and then working in small strides towards actually accomplishing all of those pieces. Yeah. And I think right now we're in this time where because everyone's at home and we have kind of no excuses really (laughs) to, to do the work, but also to just, I'm seeing so many people going on Instagram lives and doing, yeah, putting their work out there with no, with like no fear because it's like, well, whatever, I'm just going to try. And this is the most beautiful time to just try and just like show up because there's no rules, like (laughs) kind of go on and, and, and not be afraid. Or at least I hope that people know that they can just kind of go out there and so many more people are sharing their, their hearts and their gifts in such Mm -hmm. beautiful ways because it's like, well, why not? Like, exactly. yeah, which I think is just so beautiful. And anyone who has, you know, this like soul desire things that they want to, they want to accomplish. It's just mm-hmm. like, just try it. Like yeah. just decide I'm going to do an Instagram live or I'm going to exactly. share this song that I wrote or, you know, and just like put it out there and you never know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have this like fear, at least like I've had this fear where of like, Oh, I'm going to put this out there. And then like, no one's going to like it or no one's going to like respond to it. There's not going to be that like immediate kind of reaction to it. And then Mm -hmm. my thought process has changed now to say that the numbers don't really matter because Mm -hmm. if you put out something, that's like a message that really impact somebody, that person could have the biggest following ever. Exactly. And then they share it. And that, that was your connection. Like you're then the conduit. And when you're led by your intuition and your soul, it's never going to lead you astray. Mm -hmm. Just like put it out there and then like, kind of like walk. I'm always like, I put it out there and then I walk away from my phone. Yep. And it's like, whatever, whoever (laughs) likes it, likes it. And But I know that when I'm being called, especially through the intuitive guidance, that mm-hmm. um, it's always going to have whatever impact it's supposed to. Right. Yeah. Definitely. It'll hit the right person. Even if it's just one person, like you said, mm-hmm. that one person can open the door to so many other people. Yeah. You just don't know until you try. You just got to try. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? It doesn't work. Can you figure out something else to do? You figure out a different way to go about it or you get feedback on, you know, a different approach to it. But if you don't try, you're always going to wonder what if. Mm -hmm. And that's such a heavy question to sit with. It's such a heavy question to sit with. So just try it. I had my business on the back burner for, I think, a year and a half. I had the website like kind of built it was like hidden. Nobody could Google it and find it. Yeah. And then when I told my coach about it, she's like, 
you and I worked together for a year and you never once mentioned this business. And I'm like, really? And she goes, you've never mentioned it to me before. Why didn't you mention it? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm terrified of what's going to happen if it doesn't succeed. And like, that was a lot of work too, was working through all of that. But it, I remember the night that I launched my website and I made an announcement, I like sent an email out. I sent the email, I went to sleep and I woke up the next day to the most amazing amount of love and support from my friends, from family, from just people that I don't generally spend a lot of time talking to on Instagram or whatever it might've been. And that gave me the momentum to keep going. I knew that it was right at that moment to just keep going. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have this other question that yeah. might pivot our whole conversation. With <laughs> it's it. okay. But, and I didn't write it in the list, so we can always skip this question. Um, but I'm curious because I know that I'm going through this right now and feeling yeah. it heavily about, um, cause you, are you single at this moment? I am. Okay. How are you feeling in this time Ooh. being single? And I, it's so interesting cause, um, I want to talk about this and, and kind of have this conversation for this community yeah. because I asked, um, there was an Instagram live that I was a part of and I asked this uh, intuitive medium the question on his live and he answered it. And it was, I got such a beautiful, beautiful answer, but I want to hear what your thoughts are and then I'll, I'll explain what he kind of told he me. Said. So I've been single for... <laughs> I laugh. I don't even know how long it's been. It's been some time. Same with me. Same with me. <laughs> Which is fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, my Akashic Records reader told me too. She's like, now is not the time for you to focus on love. I need you to focus on your work. And I was like, fair enough. That's what I've been doing all this time anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting timing though, because we have uh, lost... Or more so on a pause, I guess I can use that word in this case too, on a pause of being physically with each other right now. So dating and exploring, finding a partner is a little, it's different now. It's definitely like a different art now. Yeah. Um, I have my days where I wish I had somebody to talk to, wish I had somebody in my life, but... Yeah. Someone to be quarantined with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I'm like man that'd be so much more fun don't tell that to my dog Olive would be very upset <laughs> she'd be like what about me and you're stuck with me um but but then I have my days where I'm like well I I've always been a firm believer in everything happens for a reason and divine timing and I'm not one to rush anything I've never been run to rush love and finding a partner I've never been like that I've never been the person that's daydreaming about their wedding. I've never counted how many kids I would have or wanted. I've never, I've just, I've never been that person um, because I just believe that if it's meant to happen, it will. And the same goes for now. I'm like, well, this wasn't, it's, if it's like, well, however long we're in this period for, it's not, maybe not the time for me to call in somebody or I do call in somebody, but we grow the relationship differently. we get to know each other on a different scale we talk first before we actually like meet in person and whatever it might be um actually funny enough one of my friends she sent me a screenshot of her friend's text to her after she had just gone back from a date 
Um, and it was just before the, the uh, quarantining period. Oh. But they were still, they were still being um, mindful of not hugging and not holding hands or not doing anything. I think it was this girl's maybe second or third date. I could be wrong. Oh, wow. But she texted her telling her it was one of the best dates she's ever had because there were more deep conversations had in that date. And he was able to express himself more openly because he wasn't able to express himself physically by holding her, hugging her, whatever it might've been. And I thought that was so beautiful because we're in a very beautiful period where we have to learn new ways of expressing our love, our compassion, our respect, our whatever it might be to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So this is almost like a little bit of a challenge for men and for women to figure out what it is and what you can do to still express to somebody that you care about them using your words or using different forms of action versus the physical touch. Yeah. So I thought that that was like a very interesting um, and profound message that she had sent me. And it made me, it made me sit and think on that for a while of, okay, so maybe I say, maybe now is not the time. And maybe now is the time, but it's going to happen in a different manner. In a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's so, I just, I find this topic so interesting right now. Um, because, you know, I have been actively open to the possibility of a partner, Yeah. but when I was, so I asked this, this message to this medium and, um, it felt like he was kind of in a collective way answering these questions on okay. live, but it felt like it was like to you, like, I felt <laughs> like the shivers and like the goosebumps oh, and I was so like, good. you know, overcome with emotion, but, um, it, it was basically the message of like, if it wasn't meant to be at this time, um, it would be like, you would yeah. be going through this. Yeah. And he's like, he was basically like, if that is like active in your vibration of what you're wanting, that that means that, that there is a divine partner that's also feeling the same things and it's active mm-hmm. in their vibration. Mm-hmm. And what you can do is telepathically connect Mm. which was such a, I was like, oh yeah, we are (laughs) these multidimensional beings that can connect in, we are energy, you know, we can actually connect on a vibrational level. And he's like, why don't you try communicating with this divine partner in a telepathic way? Oh, I love this. Yeah. So it's like, have conversations with them. He's like, he described it as like, you know, when I was like dating this person and he was like, um, they made a date for 8 PM, but the whole day he was like getting his apartment ready and like setting things up, you know? And it was just like, you can do that in a, in a way right now of like, you're getting ready for that divine union Mm -hmm. by doing the inner work. Um, you know, you can talk to them all the time, like maybe share music. Like there's all these other ways that we don't think of because we always think like physical and, you know, but you know, what if there is, and I believe there is these multi-dimensions where on this other vibrational plane that you're already with the divine partner, you know, Exactly. and he's like, treat it like a long distance lover you know it's true yeah and I was like oh you know and I felt like (laughs) to me it was really interesting and I just wanted to like kind of share that with 
anyone else in this community that could be like feeling like that too. And like, um, thinking like, Oh no, like now we're on this great pause, but like, this could be a divine pause where you can, and I've even just like considered like writing letters. Oh, I love that idea. You know, but like writing letters as if it's like, you know, you're going to see that person at some point and to be like, Hey, today I did this during quarantine, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what did you do? (laughs) Yeah. And just, um, yeah, and, uh, and like trusting the universe and the divine timing. And mm. he's basically saying, like, if you were supposed to be going through quarantine with this person, then you would be. But there's a reason why you're not. And there's also people in the opposite situation where they're recognizing that they don't want to be with their partner. But now, oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> now they're in a situation where they're forced to be with that partner, or maybe they were, maybe there's abuse, maybe there's like going through a breakup, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, and it's like, really confronting so there's also that other side of the spectrum that we don't ever think of you know Mm, so So true really interesting that is so Um, interesting (laughs) yeah so I want to do like a quick uh little game that I like to call cosmic pings Ooh! I just want to hear like your one word answer okay um as we kind of wrap up this beautiful conversation that I've loved sharing with you I think (laughs) so incredible for the Thank community you. and um just like so many parallels to kind of mm-hmm. what's happening which is not ironic that we planned it months ago yeah I know. yeah so um okay so your favorite place to visit in the world is italy oh oh that, that really like got my heart because i know mine too <laughs> Yes, and they love to Italy right now. <sighs> I know, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the first place that you want to go visit after all of this? Can I say Italy again because it's true? <laughs> yes, you can. You can. I have a um, like a trip for end of this year to Italy that's right now on hold, so. I'm gonna go a second as soon as this is all over with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the place in nature you love to be the most. Mm. I mean, any hiking trail by a tree. I love trees. So hiking. Also, you're in California, which I'm just I'm... immensely jealous of. I know. <laughs> um, my friend gave me this, uh, this, intuitive message that a hummingbird is going to come and that's going to be my signal to when I move and I've been oh my god that's exciting yeah and I've been seeing hummingbird um all over my Instagram and like the other day I came I I saw that like this it's like one of those sponsored posts so it's not even a person I follow and it was a hummingbird and it was really beautiful and I clicked on the photo and this hummingbird's name is Anna's hummingbird no no Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. And Anna's hummingbird is specific to California. That's amazing. So. See you soon then. <laughs> I'm like, that's where I'm going after all. Yeah. That yeah. That's where I'll be. Um, amazing. So uh, the food that is um, 
the food that feels like medicine for you the most? Like that's like so nourishing and really like gets your body feeling good. Mm. Good question. God, there's so many. They're like going through my head right now. Just any of them. <laughs> Avocado. Oh, yes. Yeah. And sweet lemons. Oh, lemons. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Both native to California. So. Sorry, I should pick something that's not native to you. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's more signs. <laughs> exactly. There are more signs for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the crystal that you love the most. I'm actually holding a blue appetite right now. Oh my God. Appetite. I don't know how to pronounce it. Appetite, appetite. Not sure, but it's for expression. So I'm holding this one right now. It's so weird because I had, once again, this thing saying, ask about a crystal. I love that. Channeling <laughs> so much. Because um, I didn't write these down, which I normally do, but That's I did. amazing. I'm just, they're just off the cuff. Um, the universes. Expansive. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Love is. Mm. Ooh. Love is nurturing. We all need that. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. This has been so beautiful. Thank you so much. If people want to read more about your work or connect with you, where can they do that? I'm, I'm on Instagram at Unspoken Nutrition. Also my website, unspokennutrition.com. You can follow me there. I love that word. I love that the unspoken has, was such a theme in today's conversation. And it's thank so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. Yay.